I want to welcome you to the Grief Observed podcast. I'm your host, Brad Morell. I'm hearing great things from those who have come on the show previously, and I want to invite you to do that uh, as well. If you want to join me on the show, contact me at griefobservedpodcast at gmail.com. Just tell me a little bit about who you lost and how you're dealing with your grief, and we'll get you on the show. Um, I've had just a couple of brief messages back and forth with our next guest, literally this morning, and I'm so glad that she wants to tell you her story of grief, as well as telling you a bit about a special man in her life that she lost, her father. So welcome, Jen, to the Grief Observed podcast. So uh, welcome, Jen. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for doing this. Um, I, I know this is very soon after your father's death. You you lost him October 5th, right? Yes. Okay. So before we go there, why don't you tell me a little more about yourself, maybe where you're at, and I'll just I'll just give you the floor to, to run a little bit here and just tell me more about uh, you and maybe how you grew up and, and where you're at now. Okay. Um, yes, my name is Jen, and I live about half an hour outside of Boulder, Colorado, and I was born in Boulder and grew up in Tucson, Arizona, and I've been back in Colorado since 1999. Um, I am a speech pathologist, and I'm also a director of rehab, so I've worked in healthcare for the last 20 years, and I work with the elderly population, basically when something happens and they go to the hospital and they might need more help, whether they've had a stroke, heart attack, you name it, we provide them physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, and the goal is to get them back home. I also work with long-term care residents. So uh, when my dad got the diagnosis of Alzheimer's, it really changed my perspective and how I worked with my patients and then also how I interacted with my dad. Yeah. So before the show, we were kind of talking a little bit and, and you mentioned that, uh, you know, even working with this elderly population, that it may have not prepared you exactly to deal with something like this in your own family. Um, first of all, let's, let's mention, um, your father had Alzheimer's, right? Yes. Okay. He had the diagnosis. We He was diagnosed in April of 2017. And and like we had discussed, that's that's kind of a long time with Alzheimer's. That's, um, in, in a lot of ways, you were blessed with many extra years with your father for, you know, someone with Alzheimer's, a lot of times it's not... Uh, that long of a period that they get to continue living here on earth, right? Exactly. And um, I feel so very thankful for that. You know, his course was nothing like I thought it would be. And for years, I was actually dreading his decline. And in a way, it was almost like grieving him already once we got the diagnosis as I saw him change. However, he still knew all of us. Uh, by all of us, I mean my sister and my mom and his grandchildren, which he had four grandchildren. And he still knew all of us to the end. He still knew how much he was loved. But I really feel like 
maybe because he was an accomplished engineer, he was an avid reader, and also the fact that he was at home with my mom who got him in with a very good um, neurologist. And I really believe that the medications that they gave to my dad really slowed down his progression. Wow. That's, that is amazing, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, so you were talking about how, even though you deal with this, uh, in, in a lot of ways, working with, you know, patients that maybe do have some form of dementia, um, but yet it didn't really prepare you exactly to deal with family. Why, why is family different in this case? You know, because I believe that relationship is so different and so personal. Um, It really did not prepare me for having my dad be diagnosed with this wretched disease. Um, I believe there is like an element of denial maybe because we knew we had seen some personality changes. We had seen some forgetfulness. Um, You know, one night we found him 40 miles away. He was going to the store down the street and we found him 40 miles away at 2.30 in the morning. And that's the last time he drove. And then about a week after that, within a couple of weeks anyhow, he walked, he was looking for my mom and he walked halfway to the next city north um, and ended up spending the night in someone's garage. We had police looking for him. We were looking for him all night. And in the morning, he hitchhiked and a tow truck driver picked him up and brought him home because my dad still remembered his address. Wow. That that's amazing in itself. And yet, you know, just it's, it's kind of scary to know that, uh, you know, in our local news here, um, I see people often that's missing a loved one that's elderly and, you know, it's, it probably is due to Alzheimer's or some form of dementia that they're far away from home. So you said your father was 40 miles away from home. That's, mm-hmm. that's scary. Oh, it was that... very scary. Um, we had, we had, um, find my phone, I believe set up on his telephone mm-hmm. and that is how we found him. Um, I was already asleep and my mom was at home and she was afraid to call the police, but she ended up calling me at two thirty in the morning. And at that time, she had seen where he was. She drove, she called the police. The police found him and stayed with him until my mom got there. But my dad refused to get in the car with her. So my mom called me at 2.30 in the morning. I woke up right away and I had to go pick them up and take my dad back to their house 40 miles away. And then the next day go and get the car. And that's the very last time he drove. Did he know your mom at that point or? Okay. But, but he still refused to get in the car. Yeah, I believe, you know, my mom at the time too, um, was beside herself and didn't know what was going on and why he was lost and she was so scared. And so maybe she didn't, uh, necessarily approach him. Well, but he also had this like streak of anger inside of him and he still felt like, no, I'm okay. I, it's not a problem. I'm not lost, you know? Wow. So, 
So you had mentioned the um, the Find My Phone, or you know, some sometimes people use like the 360 app. Do you feel like that's something that that we should um, encourage all of our elder parents to use? Um, because we never know when Alzheimer's or, or again, some form of dementia may start to occur. What are your thoughts on that? I absolutely believe it was, especially when he was still in the mild stages of dementia. Um, it was very helpful to have that. And even though he actually did not wander after the episode where a, the tow truck driver brought him home, he didn't wander. However, it was still helpful. And every day we had a spot where we, my mom would set up bullet points for the day. Like your mm. favorite television show is at 8 a.m. at on channel four, put on your watch. You wow. know, your daughter Jenny will be here to take you to the movies. And so we had set that up. That's something I help train families to do in my job. And we started that a few years ago. And so every day my dad knew to look at that board. Absolutely. And I think structure is 100% necessary. Um, I'm just curious if, if you have any thoughts on like, what would you tell a, an elder family member who felt like they may be giving up, um, a sense of independence by, going on a 360 app or giving you access to find my phone, things like that. What, what would you say to them, especially knowing what you've gone through? It is so hard. And honestly, that was the hardest part for my dad is feeling like he was losing the independence when we were telling him he couldn't drive anymore. And honestly, it came down to telling him that the car was broken and my mom hid the keys. Wow. And still, even a few months ago, he told me, but I can drive, I can drive. So, um, but I do believe that is a very, very hard thing for people to give up. And that loss of independence is huge in some people. Sure. Um, we didn't even tell him, I don't think, that we had put the Find My Phone app on his watch and on his telephone. Mm -hmm. And with him... If we did tell him, it didn't bother him. Hmm. Okay. That's, that's good. I've, I've seen, um, a lot where, where I guess when independence is taken away, um, it brings frustration in elderly people. I saw it in my grandfather when my dad, um, you know, basically ended up having to take him to a, a nursing facility um, maybe assisted living somewhere in between that. But, uh, you know, it was like, he, he felt like he should be able to drive still that he should be able to care for, uh, my grandmother. At, so they kind of went in at the same time. Um, that's just a really difficult time. And it's, it's kind of odd to see, I guess, how, you know, our parents, um, watched us grow up and took care of us. And then the tide kind of uh, shifts, I guess, into where we take care of them. Uh, and that's exactly, I have that conversation actually a lot with my, with my patients that I see at work. 
I say, you know what? You raised them and you did, you took care of everything and now it's their turn to help you out. Hmm. And that's often comforting. I, I feel like, um, some people don't tell their loved one that they have Alzheimer's like my dad. He was so angry um, when we first got the diagnosis, and this was after like two days of testing with the neuropsychologist mm -hmm. and after meeting with the neurologist. I was trying to help him because of my medical background. My dad was so angry and he was so in denial. So after that, we decided it didn't matter if he knew it or not. So it became a conversation later about, oh, yeah, you're a little bit forgetful. Yeah, you have a memory problem. That's okay. And my dad always said, yeah, but I'm old. Yeah, mm. you're older, dad. So in a way, you know, each person is different. But um, I believe there's ways and approaches to handle everything, to meet the patient where they're at, the person where they're at. Yeah, definitely. And there, there's so many stages of dementia, you know, a, a lot where there's very little or very mild cognitive decline. And then it starts ramping up, you know, to moderate or moderate severe to, you know, severe. And, you know, in those severe stages, you know, a person can't do a lot of the things that they used to do. Um, I don't know where, where do you feel like, um, your father was in that whenever you got the diagnosis? When we got the diagnosis, he was in the mild stages. And when he passed away, he was definitely in the moderate stages, um, headed toward the later stages of dementia. He mm. was losing his appetite, having a harder time eating. He was also unable to dress himself, even if my mom set up his clothes for him. You know, she would send him downstairs to get dressed and it could take him a really long time. And it could be that he would come back upstairs in two shirts and a pair of shorts and it was really cold outside. So my mom in the last few months had to do a lot of his what we call activities of daily living, whether it's brushing his teeth or mm -hmm. getting dressed. She really had to help him a lot more the last few months. So I definitely want to take some time for you to uh, be able to honor your father in the man that you knew and speak about uh, just who he was before this dreadful disease kind of popped up in, in his life. Who was your father? Like, where, where do you begin? Well, I want to begin way back when. My dad, um, my dad's family was Jewish and he was a Polish Jew. He was born in, he was actually born in the USSR. Mm -hmm. And when he was a young boy, his family moved back to Poland and um, there was a lot of anti-Semitism there. So my dad knew after he had met my mom, his dream was to move to America and to have a better life for his family. Wow. And my mom, um, was told if she left Poland, she would, they were going to take away her citizenship, which they did. And they told my mom she would never see her family again. My dad said, don't listen, don't listen. And he was right. The first money that he made after they immigrated, he brought my grandmother, my mom's mom over, and she stayed with us for a year at a time. And we also 
had the opportunity to go visit her in Poland. Um, so my dad was, he was true to his word. He fought very hard for his family. He was very well educated. He was an electrical engineer with several patents under his name. Wow. And um, he moved to, we got, he got transferred with IBM to Boulder where my sister and I were born. And then we were transferred to Arizona. But my dad, um, my love of nature comes from my dad. He was, um, every year we would travel to the national parks, to Yellowstone. We would camp on the beach in California. We would go to Disneyland, but um, mainly on the West, we would go to all the national parks in Utah, et cetera. And some of my favorite memories are from those times. Um, my dad was also, he was the type of guy that if a salesperson came to the door selling encyclopedias or knives or whatever, my dad would listen to them. He wouldn't buy from them, but he's, he would say, hold on, and he would give them a $20 bill. He would often give money to homeless people on the corner, whether he knew their background or did not. My dad always believed in helping others. Um, he was a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful dad and a wonderful husband and a wonderful grandfather. And I have a lot of wonderful memories with him. Wow. So you, you have one sister, is that right? I do. I actually, okay. actually have two. I have a half sister in Israel from okay. my dad's first marriage, but I've never met her. And then I have an older sister um, who's two and a half years older than me. And she and her family live in about half an hour away from me in Denver. Okay. So do you have much contact with your half sister in Israel? So she had friended me on Facebook a few years ago, and that's how she kept up with my dad's status. So, uh, she saw my posts about my dad and my outings with my dad. Hmm. And then I had to break the news to her through Facebook Messenger. So you briefly spoke of, um, I guess we can call it anticipatory grief on your part, you know, seeing, um, you know, things becoming worse with your father. Um, how, how is that different, do you think, than an abrupt death? Well, for me personally, because of my career and working with the elderly and working with so many um, people with dementia over the years, when I got, when we knew the diagnosis, it was raw, it was devastating. And for a while at work, I had to take breaks and I would just cry and cry and cry because I could see where my dad was headed. And then over time, I felt like I was already grieving him as I was seeing his personality change, as I was seeing him forget things. So I feel like I was grieving him from the beginning of the diagnosis. Hmm. Do you feel like that's helped you at all in, you know, after he had passed? Or do you feel like you would have grieved the same regardless of, of a long-term illness? Well, I can tell you this. Because I work in healthcare, I was dreading the day that my dad would forget us. I was dreading the day that he would lose 40 pounds. I was dreading the day that 
of his eventual decline and death. But what can I, what I can say, it was, it was nothing like that. My sister and I um, traded off Sundays to give my mom a break. And of course we would help any time we could, but my sister and I also work full time and we have our children, but we would spend Sundays with my dad. We would alternate Sundays. So what I started to do is I started to take a lot of pictures and I started to take videos of the good times with my dad. And I am so very, very thankful for that. I'll get back to that in a minute. But um, so Monday before the 5th, whatever that date was, maybe the 1st of October, my mom called me and said she had taken him to the emergency room because he was in a lot of pain. And he was never in pain. That was hmm. the first time that he was in such pain that my mom couldn't even move him out of bed. So she had called 911 and then she called me and I met my mom and my dad in the emergency room and they had done CAT scans and um, basically they said that we should follow up with his primary care physician, which we did on Wednesday, um, the third, the fourth of October. And they gave us the diagnosis that he had metastasized cancer. He ended up having cancer in his liver in his lungs and in his bones and we had absolutely no idea wow so my mom called me and um so i came over that night my sister had actually flown to portugal she was on her way to portugal to a yoga retreat and i had to text her while she was on the plane the diagnosis but my brother-in-law and i went to my mom's house and i spent that last night with him and he came, he walked to the door. He saw me through the window and he said, hi, Jenny. And I was mm. like, hi, dad. And, uh, we went up, we went up to the main level. He sat in his recliner, his favorite chair, and we watched America's got talent together. He loved all those singing competition shows. <laughs> and, um, we laughed, we talked about who we thought would win. And then I said, okay, dad, you know, after a while I said, I'll, I'll be back tomorrow and we'll watch the finals. And he's like, okay, Jenny. I, and I was like, I love you. And he's like, I love you too. And I kissed him on the head. And I had no idea that the plan was we were going to get him onto hospice at home. So I thought in the very least we had days, if not weeks. Mm -hmm. He ended up dying that night a few hours after I saw him with my mom by his side. And my mom was caressing him. They had very sweet, touching words together, and he passed. And my mom called me at 5.30 in the morning and told, told me. And then a firefighter came on and told me. Wow. And I was just in shock, total shock. Um, but I made it home, and my brother-in-law uh, came with me, and we stayed with my mom that entire day. And it's still very surreal to me, the way he passed. And, and in a way, it was much more beautiful than I anticipated. I am so very thankful he didn't suffer long. Mm -hmm. You know, it was just a few days that he had that pain. And um, I believe that he knew he was going to die because he was very, very lucid those last few moments with my mom. That is so interesting. And, and you bring on a good point. I've, I've got a really good friend who's really like a brother to me. Um, 
and he lost both of his parents to some form of dementia in the same year. It's been about two years ago. And he called me up one day and he said, Brad, I'm going to tell you, he said, just hope that your parents just fall over dead one day. He said, this is the most grueling thing to watch. And I don't think anybody really knows what he's talking about unless you've seen that or seen that progression. Um, but it is interesting how, like you stated, you, you wanted to make sure that your father never forgot you and he didn't, you know, and, and that's so unusual with Alzheimer's. Um, you know, obviously he had other, uh, he had other, uh, health issues going on that you didn't know about, but you're describing this as something beautiful and that's, that's great. Um, I don't know that many people could say that, you know, so tell me more about the beauty, the beauty of this. It really was a gift to all of us, um, that he passed in the way he wanted to, because we had already started talking about hiring help at home, or we had already started talking about, um, you know, taking trips to different facilities like a memory care facility um, just to get a sense of if we could do that or not but he died at home he died exactly the way he would have wanted to go and he it was it was just so beautiful and it gave me such peace that he died exactly the way he wanted to with my mom by his side and he and I had that wonderful night together the night before and he yeah. still knew us. It was such a gift, such a gift. Yeah. That's, um, you know, I, I hate that it was so unexpected for you, but at the same time, um, it seems like you got to share a really great moment there at the end where he knew who you were. He's telling you, he loves you. He's calling you by name. Um, that, that is, that is very special. So, and I can tell you the pictures that I took of our outings and the videos I took of our outings on his good days. And I say that because he did have hard days or bad days. And I ended up deleting those pictures and deleting those videos because they brought me a lot of sadness. So I only kept the good memories and the good pictures and the good videos, but they have brought me a lot of peace as well. You know, at night when I can't sleep, I will find those videos and I'll find those pictures and I'll just smile. Hmm. So tell me like, how has your support system, like friends and family been there for you during this time period? I know you're kind of, especially family, you're kind of all in this together. Um, you know, as we record, Thanksgiving is literally just a few hours away, but how has your support system been, you know, with family and friends? Well, um, one of my dear, dear friends who I traveled with in a traveling program called Up With People, I did that in 1998, um, she flew, she's originally from the Netherlands, but she lived in Pennsylvania. She hopped on a plane and came right over. And then a childhood best friend of mine, I have known her for 42 years. Um, we grew up together in Tucson, but she lives in Paonia, about four hours away from me now. She she made 
sure she was there for me. So they were at the funeral as well as a couple of other friends and family friends. My dad had a friend that he had known since childhood. So over 80 years, they were there. Wow. So the amount of support has been amazing. And even my Facebook friends, when I had posted about um, that he had passed away, I mean, you know, just the condolences and the words, the very sweet, sincere words were so nice to have. Sure. And, and I actually found you on a Facebook group about grief. Um, have you found much help there? Well, that was my first post. I had posted a few, maybe even two days ago with some pictures of my dad uh, from when I was little until the most recent pictures. And I had posted how I'm, I'm dreading the holidays a little bit because I do. I miss him so very much. And mm. these are, this is the first holiday season, obviously, that we will be without him. Yeah, that's, that's always a struggle, I think. Um, you know, I talk about those markers in life that we all have. And, you know, if I asked you what you were doing November 22nd last year or five years ago or whatever, you probably had no idea. But if I said, hey, what were you doing Thanksgiving last year or five years ago, you've probably got a pretty good idea. Or Christmas, you know, we, we have these markers and uh, birthdays, anniversaries, things like that, that really, you know, stick out in our memories. And it's really hard because um, a lot of times we compare the current holiday to holidays past and who's no longer with us that should be here. And of course, should is a, a guilt word, I think. Um, so how do you think that you may celebrate tomorrow and still be able to honor your father? Well, um, let me go back a little bit. A month after he died, November 5th would have been my parents' 55th wedding anniversary. Wow. And of course, my mom is just beside herself with grief. So my sister and I went over to her. We brought her flowers like my dad would have done. We took her out to lunch because we always celebrated their anniversary together as a family. And then we went and visited my dad at the cemetery. And um, tomorrow, you know, my sister has hosted Thanksgiving the last several years, and I'm sure we will have conversations about him. I was even thinking of bringing a picture, you know, uh, like a actual printed canvas picture, maybe mm -hmm. even and having it at the table. So he's very much with us. But whether I have the picture or not, he is absolutely going to be there with all of us. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you had actually sent me a picture of his cemetery and I have to say it's an amazing view. Um, that, that it's a beautiful place. Have you visited there much since his passing? Well, it's interesting because, um, let's see, September 14th, I was unexpectedly let go from my job. Hmm. No warning, no nothing. It's just like, okay, thank you for your services. Goodbye. Oh. It ended up being a blessing in disguise because that's when my dad started having a really hard time getting out of bed. My mom was needing more support. So I was able to be there more and spend more quality time with my dad. And then, of course, planning the funeral without 
you know, being in shock that it happened so very quickly and not having arrangements, it was really nice to have that time and not have to worry about work. Mm-hmm. And we had picked this beautiful spot and the base of the Flatirons in Boulder and it, it's perfect for him. My dad was an accomplished artist after he retired and he had even painted those mountains several times. And so, and with his connection to nature is just couldn't be more beautiful. And as it turns out, uh, October 30th, I started my new job in Boulder. So I get to drive by his beautiful resting place every day on my day to work and um, every day on my way back. So if I don't stop, I, I try to stop at least a couple of times a week. And if I don't, I'm always saying hi and I'm always talking to him as I'm driving to work and on my way back home. Hmm. So what do you find comforting in this time when, you know, it's, it's really hard, hard to find comfort, especially in the early days of someone's passing, but what are you doing maybe for self-care or just to find comfort in these days? Um, it is reaching out to my friends who have been through it themselves. It is looking at those videos and pictures and remembering the good times and knowing that we really made the most out of his time, our time with him. It is knowing that we loved him so much and knowing that he loved, he also loved his family so very much. That's been, that's been very helpful. Um, at work, um, since I work in healthcare, I actually love it that I can be a resource for them. Um, one of the things that helped me in the earlier years after his diagnosis is the Alzheimer's Association had support groups. And it was wonderful to know that we were not alone and also to get some information of how they dealt with different scenarios and situations that would arise. And it was the support group was only for caregivers. So now I'm interested in finding a grief support group, not only for my mom, but for myself. Yeah, I think that's, that is excellent. And, you know, it's one of the reasons I created this podcast is I feel, excuse me, I feel it's really important for people to tell the story, not, not only of, the person that they lost, I think it's it's a great honor for that person, but also to you know kind of figure out what is going on with my grief story. Um, so I feel it's important that people are able to talk about that. So I'm curious, like, how do you approach talking to others about your loss? Um, that's interesting. When we when I'm at work and and families have a new diagnosis or an exacerbation that they've already had the diagnosis for a while of dementia. Um, I tell them about my personal experience with having my dad um, and seeing him deal with dementia. And then I also am glad to share the resources that have helped me so very much. Um, And it's been, it's healing for me to be able to help other families going through the same thing. And I'm also able to give them compensatory strategies. Like if they're having a harder time keeping them at home, you know, giving them strategies that may help as in terms of like having a calendar in the same place where you write things down, uh, writing down questions for the doctor in a notebook, writing down their 
the doctor's answers in the notebook. You know, there's several things I work on depending on uh, the individual circumstances, but I really, really, truly like connecting with my patients and their families. Yeah. So you, you had mentioned too about finding um, your own like grief groups and things like that. Have you sought out any groups so far in your area or had any luck with that? I had just barely started doing that. We've been, we've been very, very busy and especially starting the new job. I'm also extremely busy. However, um, I had just started looking into it and I know that hospice has grief and support groups and, you know, as I mentioned, the plan was to start him on hospice once we got that diagnosis a few hours before he died of the cancer. So I had just barely started to look into it, and I'm not sure if I'm able to join the support groups through the hospice organization since my dad never made it onto hospice. So, yes, hmm. I'm looking into it. Okay. Um, I know Grief Share is, is a really large one, um, at least over here on the east side of America. <laughs> um, and, and I think they, they have places all over. Um, I always try to plug any place that I know. I, I've not even thought about hospice. That's that's a great idea. Um, but, but I think it's griefshare.org is, is the organization. Um, so you may find some, some help through there. I, I, I know it's like a 13-week program. Um, and it, it generally seems to be church-based. So um, I'm sure there's some other grief things out there as well. Um, has has grief affected maybe the perspective of your own meaning of life at this point, seeing someone you love pass? Absolutely. It really does, because like I said, it was nothing like I expected it to be. And it just shows me that you really never know when your last moments or your last day is going to be. Very, very true. You know, and one thing I hear um, from a lot of people, you know, when, when we see someone, say, very young that passes away, one of the, the first things we hear is, you know, they were either robbed of life or they were so young and had so much ahead of them. Um and and I admit I've I've read some of the old Stoics, you know, and 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 looked at some of their stuff. One of the things that really stood out to me years ago was whenever I read um, this writing from Marcus Aurelius, and he stated, you know, the person who dies the youngest and the person who dies the oldest lose the same thing. You know, what is that? It's today. You know, we um, yesterday's gone. And tomorrow honestly never exists. Tomorrow is something that's, it's more of an idea. So what do we lose? We lose today. And so when we talk about the meaning of life, um, that's the one thing I, I really caution a lot of my clients to, you know, truly seize the day. You know, tonight when your head hits the pillow, did you make today count? Because we don't know about tomorrow. Um, and it's, it's hard, you know, especially I'm, I'm 48. Um, you know, I still feel young, <laughs> but we never know. I, I've seen people younger than me pass away. I, I lost a best friend 
uh, he was 38 and, and just passed away, uh, totally unexpected. And, um, we just never know. So, you, you know, just truly making today count, I think is, is something that we all need to focus on. I agree. And, you know, I have a dear friend that I actually met online. It was, uh, I'm part of a group of mothers. We were all due in the same month and this was 13 years ago. And she ended up being diagnosed with pancreatic cancer two years ago. And a year ago in November, November 7th, I believe she lost her battle with pancreatic cancer and she had four children, Hmm. but her husband worked in the medical field and they had the best care and she knew So he brought her whole family over. Uh, She made the best out of every day. And it really touched me tremendously. And I think we need to look at each day and be grateful for the good that we experience every day. Definitely. And it's hard to do that, but I, I think gratitude goes a long way in helping us appreciate that we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, I, I wish, I really wish the world would, um, invoke some more of that gratitude. You know, it's, um, that would be a, a great thing for sure. So how, how do you navigate like this intersection of grief and, and other life stressors? I know that, uh, you know, you're working, um, you'd mentioned your dad had four grandchildren. I, I don't know. Are any of those your children? <laughs> yes. I have two daughters. One is learning how to drive. Um, she turned 16 next Tuesday. Oh, and wow. Then Speak I about stress. <laughs> yeah. And a 13 year old. And I am a, I, at least a half time single mom and I work seven days a week. Um, not that much on the weekends, but I do work seven days a week. And from the weekends, it's, at least at home. However, I do have a tremendous amount of stress in my life. You know, you've got these life stressors, but yet you're still, you still have to have that time to grieve. Um, How do you do that? It's helping me being so close on my way to work and from work. Like I said, driving by the cemetery, knowing that my dad's body is there. um, It's really helpful to me to talk to him and when I go and visit him, even though it's just his body, it still gives me a tremendous amount of peace because of where he is buried in the mountains, exactly where he would want to be. Hmm. It is so beautiful, really, truly beautiful. And I feel like my dad would absolutely be at peace. I feel like, um, you know, my mom had said when he passed away, it was like this force, like he couldn't even move. He was in so much pain. But when he died after saying very sweet words to my mom, she said he kind of like lifted, his body lifted, his arms went up in the air, and then he died. And my mom asked me what that was. And all I could say, I don't know, you know, I said, in my mind, I see that as his Alzheimer's leaving his body, his cancer leaving his body, everything negative that he was dealing with that's all gone now. And my dad's at peace. Hmm. So I'm, I'm curious of like, I guess, how do you handle the pressure to be, I don't, I don't know, be strong for others. 
um, while you are dealing with your own stressors? Because it sounds like uh, you're still very much a part of your mother's life. Um, how do you be strong for her during this time? Well, appreciating that it was just my mom, my dad, my sister, and I that were here in the United States. I mean, my relatives still live overseas, whether it's in Israel or in Warsaw, Poland. So we've always been uh, very close and we rely on each other. So, and it's a privilege. I think it's a privilege to be able to help my mom and still reminisce about the good times that we had with my dad. Um, my two children, you know, the plan was when we found out that he had the cancer, I was going, my girls were going to be off of school that Friday, which ended up being the day after he had passed on. But my girls were with their dad and my older daughter said, mom, how's Jodic? Jodic is a grandfather and grandpa in Polish. Hmm. I said, not well, not well, but I didn't want to text her. I didn't want to give them the news over the telephone. So that was, that was very difficult to, they thought they were coming with me to go spend time with him, but he had already passed. Mm. So, but you know, life with two teenage girls, the very next day, my 16, almost 16 year old had her very last flag football game. And then she had homecoming that night. And my other daughter does dance and ballet and is having a recital soon. And I just told them that, you know, Jodic would want them to continue to do their best and do those activities just like they would if he was still here with us. So, and we had went out for a lovely meal and I had shared some of my favorite videos and pictures of him. Hmm. So... I have an odd question and I don't know how to say it except just come out, but like, has your perception of like joy and happiness changed since this loss? Uh, in what sense? Um, you know, obviously your father was, uh, seems like a brilliant man, a very loving father, a good husband. Um, and yet it, it still seems like you have joy. You still have happiness when you describe him. Um, but it's different than when he was with you. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. You know, part of it is just my life is so very busy and I am so thankful in the way that he passed and I'm, always going to miss him. I mean, there's no doubt I will miss him every single day of the rest of my life. But I also am at peace that we did make the most out of our time and that he is resting in a beautiful place, that we still have my mom, that tomorrow we are going to carry on, you know, and have a wonderful Thanksgiving dinner at my sister's house and the cousins, my girls and my, my kids and my sister's two kids are close in age and they always love getting together. So it will, there will be some joy tomorrow for sure. And in the upcoming holidays, Christmas, I don't, 
I haven't started thinking about Christmas. It's going to be very different. But my sister and I decided that this weekend we're going to help my mom decorate for Christmas because my dad loved, you know, the lights and the traditions and everything. So um, to help my mom have some joy, my sister and I are going to do that this weekend with my mom, hmm. putting lights and decorations up around the house. Yeah, that that's um that brings me to another uh interesting question. So I always wonder if there's like any specific uh sensory experiences like scents or sounds or anything that that triggers memories of your father. Like and you're you're telling me like obviously Christmas seemed to be an important time for your family and uh the Christmas lights and things like that. Like do you think those things will um, for lack of better words, kind of trigger certain memories for you of your father? Well, it's interesting because my my oldest daughter, she'll be 16 on Tuesday, and I just bought her her first car, which is a 2008 Ford Escape. But the Ford Escape is a manual transmission. So I have had to teach her since I bought the car a couple of weeks ago. We've been going out on driving lessons on a stick shift. Now, grant you, I haven't driven a stick shift in years. So it's been harder than I thought it would be. And mm -hmm. my, my poor daughter has been very frustrated at herself, but I can see the progression. And I, that definitely sparked a memory of my dad teaching me how to drive a stick shift when I was 16. Yeah. That's what they uh, call like a millennial anti-theft system, right? <laughs> right. And and she won't be able to look at her phone. She won't be able to text driving a stick shift. Yeah. Yeah. I, my first uh, car was a, a 1984 Ford Escort that was a four speed manual. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's, that was a, a fun time. And, uh, I, even back then in the, like the early nineties, I think I was one of the few kids that had a manual transmission, mm -hmm. <laughs> but, well. uh, the, now it, it's almost unheard of, but it's, it's neat just to know that something so, you know, what we would call, I guess, insignificant actually triggers a memory of your father and, and times that you've shared with him. So that's fantastic. And um, even before he passed on Christmas morning, you know, I'll never forget he was making uh, croissants and he burned them. And this is many, many years ago, probably 35 years ago or more, but he loved Bing Crosby. So Christmas growing up, we always had Bing Crosby music. So every Christmas I play some of my dad's favorite songs with my girls. And so that, that will be a tradition that carries on even more so this year. Well, you are absolutely um, tickling my heart because I, I absolutely love Bing Crosby and um, it's, you know, I, I grew up on eighties hair bands, honestly, mm -hmm. but there is something about Bing Crosby and you can hear him in my truck quite often. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'll just put out a, uh, just a plug for Bing Crosby, but they've actually put out a new Christmas album for him this year. Um, I forget the title of it. I'm trying to find it as we speak, but honestly, there's nothing like Bing Crosby at Christmas. And, uh, 
I actually just watched Holiday Inn again, probably back about uh, three or four days ago. So mm-hmm. that that's fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I'm glad that you've got so many great memories of your dad and, um, you know, just so many good things. You know, I think so many times we focus on how a person left and we forget about the impact that they made while they were here. And certainly that is not how anybody wants to be remembered. I know that's not what I want to be remembered by. I want to be remembered by, you know, hopefully how I've touched people's lives. And it sounds like your father certainly was one of those people that, uh, you know, left an impact in the engineering world, left an impact with his daughters, you know, his wife, um, and, and it seems like probably a community around him. So that, that's fantastic. And also in his artwork, I don't know if I mentioned, but he, when he retired, he started painting and illustrating and he's a fabulous artist. So I'm very, very lucky. I have several of his pieces around my house. That is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Jen, I know we're closing in on our hour together, but um, I always like to give everybody the the floor at the end of the show and just tell me anything else that we may have missed, anything about your father, anything about um, you or or your grieving experience. So I'll just kind of let you uh, take it away there before I close this out. Well, um, you know, my biggest connection to nature, I got through my dad. As I stated, we used to travel for several weeks every summer, hitting all the national parks. And every time I go into the mountains here in beautiful Colorado, I'm a moose enthusiast and I'm actually a mooseaholic. I even have a shirt that says mooseaholic. But anytime I'm in the mountains, that's when I feel closest to a higher power. And, and it's gonna be even more powerful I feel like when I go into the mountains and have my dad there with me in my heart. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I don't know for me, of course we don't have um, any moose or meese. I don't know what what the plural is for that, but uh, we just have deer and bear here. Um, So I, I don't know. That seems a little scary. I, are you afraid? Have you ever seen them out in, the wild oh, there with you all the time. I saw 30 this summer total. Wow. Wow. Yeah. But I know where they hang out and I'm, I'm crazy about moose. So okay. yes. And one of the coolest things is where my dad is buried. They frequently have deer coming through. So I haven't seen them yet, but I can't wait to catch the deer. My dad would love that, but I know they visited just not when I'm there yet. Hmm. And they also have had a bear, um, come through there just about every day she said this in the fall wow and my dad would love that he would absolutely love that yeah that's Mm -hmm. that's nice and like i said the the picture you sent was absolutely gorgeous um where he's buried and um i don't know it's i i two years ago bought my plot and and that was a very um, eye-opening thing for me. It was it was really hard, but at the same time, I purchased it in a. I, I don't know. Um, it's it's behind a church where a lot of my family are buried. I, I don't know that I've ever set foot in this church at all. It's 
but it is just a beautiful place. It's, uh, my mom's house is probably a mile from it and just a beautiful place. And I can't think of a better place to end or, or, or be at the end of my life. And I look at this place where your father is and, um, I just can't think of a, a more beautiful place than, than honestly where you chose to bury your father. It's very it's nice. True. And I've had the conversation with my daughters. I want to be cremated and they already know that uh, when I do pass on that they are to spread my ashes up where the moose are, up where I feel my peace in the mountains. And of course, a little bit where my dad is and where my mom will eventually be right next to my dad. Nice. Jen, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, speaking with you. I, I do hate that you've lost your father, but um, it sounds like he was a wonderful man, and it sounds like he has a wonderful daughter as well. Um, I, I do hope that you and your family have a good holiday season where you can honor your father and uh, just remember the man that he was and... Uh, I, I just wish you very well in in your continued grief journey, and I, I hope you do find a place. Uh, I think it's very very worthy of your time to find a place where you and your mom can go and uh, just share and you know hear other people's stories. I think that's important. So I hope you do find that place. Thank you so very much. Yeah, absolutely, and I want to. Uh, thank everybody else for being with us today on the Grief Observed podcast. And again, if if you want to be on the show, just send me an email, griefobservedpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, I hope you've been blessed by this show and Jen's story. And I hope everyone has a great and happy Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm.